Abraham Lincoln warned that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Would you like to know what's being taught in today's classrooms? Welcome to Say What? with attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. They'll explore the issues facing children, parents, and society as a result of the public schools and the forces behind them. Say What? is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr. Hello everyone, I'm George Roska. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you to today's episode 14 of Say What? Where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including the effort to federalize comprehensive sexuality education. That's right, George. Uh, What started as a guide to CSE developed by Planned Parenthood in 2006 has now been legislated in California via the what we know as the California Healthy Youth Act. And it's spreading all over the country, coming to a school near you. And there's there's a history to this, isn't there, George? Yep. Um, In fact, this goes back uh, all the way back to 2006. And although there are other organizations that are certainly involved with uh, comprehensive sexuality education, like the Human Rights Campaign, Advocates for Youth, uh, CECUS, Planned Parenthood tends to be prominent in this space, aren't they? They very much are. And I remember when we went in 20... 19 at the uh, California State Capitol to meet with some of the legislatures, including uh, Dr. Shirley Weber, who sponsored the Healthy Youth Act bill here in California. Down in San Diego. And uh, she didn't make it. She had her chief of staff uh, attend our meeting. Um, But the other representative they brought to the meeting was an ACLU member. Is that right? <laughs> because that was their legal expert. Yes. Yeah, the ACLU also tends to show up in all of these, uh, these, these efforts to sexualize our children. So what happened in 2006 specifically with these guidelines? So basically, the International Planned Parenthood Federation came out with their CSE guidelines And that became their playbook for how they wanted to uh, revolutionize uh, what was always called sex education. And so they spent nearly a decade um, lobbying and advocating at our state capitals. Uh, And they always start off uh, in California or in New York or in Washington, some of the very uber-liberal um, states because they know that if they can get inside there, then they get paid afterwards for all of the stuff that they're doing. Right. And then they have a template set up that they can now just copy and paste to all other states. So the California Healthy Youth Act was passed in California in 2015. It was made effective in 2016. But according to the Guttmacher Institute, among others, it's spreading across the country, isn't it? Big time, big time. And, you know, Mark, what we're going to try to accomplish here today is let our listeners know from all over the country um, what this typical template of a healthy youth act, as they call it, 
uh, is going to look like. Um, it's not going to look any much different than what we're dealing with here in California. Mm. Uh, and in fact, it passed in 2015 in California. And guess what they try to do in 2016? Are immediately push it and federalize it in Congress. So what happened there? There's something that happened in 2017, right? Yeah, so in 2016 and 2017, Senator uh, Maisie Hirono from Hawaii, a Democrat, and Congresswoman Alma Adams, mm -hmm. a Democrat from North Carolina, uh, they tried to pass what was called the Youth Access to Sexual Health Services Act. Okay. And CECAS uh, was behind this. They helped lobby it at the federal level. Uh, and so they attempted both of those years to get it passed, obviously, uh, 2016 was the last year of Obama, so they right. thought they could maybe do it. Uh, and 2017 was the first year of the Trump administration, so it probably failed miserably. And CECAS is Sexual Edu Information and Education Council of the United States. Sounds very official, but it's not a government agency. It's not. It's not. It's just one of those other alphabet soup uh, yep. uh, acronyms. Um, and then they tried again in 2019. Now they called it the Real Education for Healthy Youth Act. Um, and that was introduced by Senator Cory Booker out of New Jersey and Congresswoman Barbara Lee out of our own state here of California. Oh, boy. And those failed in Congress, right? They or either failed. failed or suspended, but they never really go away, do they? They don't. So. In fact, uh, the Human Rights Campaign before the Biden administration was inaugurated in January of this year, they sent out a blueprint of here's what the president must do within his 100 first 100 days in office for the LGBT community. And one of them is the, a version of the Healthy Youth Act. A, a man has to have his priorities, and I guess this is one of them, of the, of the Biden administration. Yes. So, George, let's talk about some of the key elements to the, the, the Healthy Youth Act. Um, and they, if, if you read the framework in the act itself, it's just full of this very positive verbiage, isn't it? Maybe you can walk us through some of that. Yeah, so some of the highlights of what you're going to see in usually every law up front has to kind of say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Here are our definitions. Here's the criteria that the curriculum is going to have to meet. Uh, so very high level. Uh, you have to pay very close attention to the words and the new definitions of those words. So uh, first, it's protect their sexual and reproductive health. Yes. That's what sex education has probably been always about, right? Who doesn't want to protect our reproductive health? Exactly. You can't be against that. But, but then they start really saying what they mean here. They, they'll use terminology like healthy attitudes towards gender and sexual orientation. Which translated really means unhealthy attitudes, right? Because they're incenting children to get involved with general, with a gender identification and exploring their sexual orientations. Correct. And, and not just that, but they're probably just positing the fact that there are unhealthy attitudes towards people of different genders and sexual orientations in the school system. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, and so now all of a sudden... The state is defining what is a healthy attitude versus what is an unhealthy attitude. And this really comes down to orthodoxy and, you know, 
imbuing you know uh, ethics and morals onto our children and of course our position at protect our kids is that when it comes to orthodoxy and ideologies that's really the role of parents to infuse in in their children not a state institution and they also george talk about sexuality as a normal part of human development this comes right out of the language of the act what does that mean So we've talked about this before, the definition of sexuality uh, on our episode. So if you haven't listened to our episode on sexual rights, please go back and do that. But I'll just real quickly summarize. Sexuality means sex, gender, gender identity, gender expressions, behaviors, attitudes, fantasies, desires. It includes the whole panoply, the whole thing. So now they're saying your sexuality is a normal part of your development. Whoever you are, you do you with whatever attitudes and fantasies you have. That's normal. That's how we need to be teaching sex education. And way back in the day, uh, sex ed used to be just that, sex ed. It was about reproduction, human reproduction. But now they've introduced this term sexuality, and it has deep connotations, which you can find in the language of the California Health Youth Act. Yeah, and and this is the place where I got so fooled when I first started reading through our Healthy Youth Act here in California because I never understood the difference between sex education and sexuality education and what they meant by it. So I remember a hearing back when, when this was being discussed in the California legislature, and some of the people on the Quality Commission were saying, oh, the word sexuality is not in the act. And of course, upon inspection later on, it's just, it's all over the act. You, you, can't, you can't get rid of it. Well, what about integrated, comprehensive, accurate, and unbiased? That's also language in the act. Yes, and they use that language because they target what happened before. So uh, there's a context behind all of this. So, mm. so what kind of sex education has been going about in America? Well, there's a lot of states that still um, only require abstinence-based sex education. And so the reason this unbiased terminology comes to play is because SICUS and Planned Parenthood, they're trying to drive a narrative. And the narrative is that abstinence-based education is biased because it harms the LGBT community. By definition, it has to be biased. Okay, so then we have some uh, definitions that are also, we think, critical to understand. And one of them is everything in the the California Healthy Youth Act, what they teach about sexuality has to be, quote, age-appropriate. Now, that's a code word, isn't it? It is. Who defines what's age-appropriate? I've asked that question all the time, and... It seems to be that a a very limited select group of people at the district level can make that decision. Uh, And also, we've talked about this. Now, it's not just sex ed. It's comprehensive sexual health education. And this is key because when you have to ask the district, well, what is comprehensive sexuality education? Like, where does it come from? Who determined, you know, all of its things? Every single one takes you right back to the root, which is Planned Parenthood's version in 2006. 
And they have to have their instructors trained in appropriate courses, right? And who's doing that instruction? I, I wonder who. Uh, yeah, I mean, who who, who's training that? the teachers? <laughs> it, it's almost like, you know, Mark, you inventing something, right? And you bring it to the state, and now, you know, the state passes a law saying, we shall have only this, and it's, yeah. you know, your new instructors have to be trained in this. Obviously, who's going to be qualified to train them? Only Planned Parenthood instructors. And we don't have to wonder about the incentive of Planned Parenthood for doing this. This is a business after all, right? It's a huge business. They're in the, quote, sex business in one way or the other. So uh, it's no surprise that they're, they've infused themselves into the local school districts yep. by law. And here's another term, George, medically accurate. Everything that they teach must be medically accurate. So what, what does that mean? Well, I think what we've learned, Mark, in the last year and a half is that scientists and, and uh, doctors can be bought. Hmm. <laughs> um, and so medical accuracy is, again, relative to the doctor uh, and the scientist that you bring in on your panel. Uh, and what have they done uh, in California? They've put into the, the law a... Uh, a couple of organizations that they feel can set orthodoxy for medical accuracy. Like the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American College of uh, Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the American Public Health Association. These are the big players, aren't the they? The big players. And they've all <clears throat> been overtaken by this radical gender ideology. So they, they cannot be trusted. And there are uh, doctors and scientists that are leading in droves. They're leading these associations um, because they're, they're, they're pushing um, things that are really child abuse. In fact, one of the few outliers out there that, are, that is really doing good work is the American College of Pediatricians, yes. not to be confused with these organizations that we've just mentioned. Correct. So a, a big topic in the California Healthy Youth Act is that it has to be Evidence-based. Uh, we could spend a whole other episode just talking about what this really means. I mean, you hear this over and over again. The evidence shows CSE is overwhelmingly successful, but this isn't really true, is it, George? Correct. And so when you talk about evidence-based, what they always try to say is, okay, well, there has to be some set criteria for determining the success of sex education. And that's fair. Okay. So what is that criteria? Uh, so typically, they're, like the top two are really, um, are, are, are there uh, lower unintended pregnancies? So are teens getting more pregnant today than they were in the past, right? And we've seen pregnancies go lower, and Planned Parenthood will tout the fact that CSE did that. That's why in America today we see pregnancies drop. But on the same token, they don't know how to explain why STDs and HIV are on the rise. At like epidemic proportions. Um, and, and so that's not just in the state of California. That's throughout our entire country. So then is CSE really being effective as they tout it? The second one is um, condom usage. Yeah. Not just when they learn about it, but they take surveys on students 12 months after. So it has to be a long-term, long, what they call longitudinal. Right. Um, 
And so th those are the two biggest ones. Unintended pregnancies, if they're going down, are kids still using condoms 12 months after they first heard this instruction? Yeah. Uh, and there is a very, very, very helpful um, document to equip parents with the truth about all of this. And most people aren't familiar with this particular doctor. Of course, he's well known in the community that you and I traffic in. And his name is Dr. Stan uh, Weed and Irene Erickson was a collaborator in this project. But they published multiple studies, one of, one, one of which is called the global, A Global Review, Reexamining the Evidence for CSC and Schools. What did they find in this in this work? So they basically went to our you know, federal Department of Health mm -hmm. and Education and the CDC, who kind of um, gathers all this data. They looked at 60 CSE case studies done in the United States and then 43 internationally because Planned Parenthood is an international organization and they pull a lot of stuff that comes from, especially from Africa. Right. And in doing a review of that and comparing it versus abstinence-based educations. So these are a total of 103 studies. They show that only one study out of the 103 actually showed a reduction in teen pregnancy. That's amazing. Later. Just, just a single one. One. And there was only one that showed a reduction in teen sexually transmitted diseases 12 months after Correct. the program. Correct. So when you look at that and then you look at the claim that CSE is is great and it's going to solve all of our youth's problems, mm -hmm. it is not just misleading, it's egregiously wrong. In fact, CSE makes the claim, at least its promoters do, like Planned Parenthood, that there's a dual benefit to this teaching. Uh, no sustained increases in both teen abstinence, delay of sexual initiation, and condom use by sexually active teens within the same school population. Yep. Yeah. And then worldwide, school-based CSE programs, they found, failed to produce sustained effects on a key protective outcome for the intended youth population. 87% of the time it was attempted. What a, wow. What a statistic. Yeah, and, and something that I didn't write down here, Mark, but my memory right now goes right back to something we talk about in our conferences, and that's UNESCO, the United Nations uh, Education, Scientific, and Cultural Council. Yep. And they published a study in 2018 on the international uh, you know, state of CSE, and one of the things that they made is that they really don't have any longitudinal evidence for the effectiveness of CSE. The solution is do more CSE so we can finally get some evidence that it works. <laughs> but... that, that's always the solution. Yeah. Pour more gasoline on the fire. Correct. Uh, but, but the evidence that we do have goes completely against what they're purporting to be true. And, but that's not the case with abstinence study education, right? Sec what they call sexual avoidance. Correct. Let's talk about that for a little bit. And apparently there were 17 studies of school-based abstinent education in the United States. What did those studies find? So they found that 47% of those studies actually met or exceeded this criteria okay. of lowering teen pregnancies, of increasing condom usage 12 months after the fact. Um, and then also um, 
nine of those 17 studies, so just a little bit over 50%, um, found that they didn't have an effect on, you know, negative condom use. So, so one of the th claims that Planned Parenthood likes to make is that, oh, you know, abstinence-based education doesn't really do a lot. They don't talk a lot, a lot about condoms, so we're going to see condom usage drop. And that did not occur either. Um, and so it, it's just mind-boggling how you have one of 103 studies where you can see a positive effect, and yet 47 and 53% of abstinent-based studies are having a positive effect. Um, and Planned Parenthood tries to go around and really, uh, I'll, I'll use some slang terminology, talk trash yeah. <laughs> on yeah. our community. Right. Um, so, George, uh, CSC is also required to satisfy um, some, some criteria, right, in, in their instruction. Uh, they talk about age-appropriate and medically accurate. We hear that term a lot, but who defines what that is? We've already said they do, right? It's, uh, it's the, the originators of this program that define what that means. Uh, it must be appropriate for all genders and sexual orientation. So now there's, there's sort of an implied bias there that you, you can have different genders and your sexual orientation is fluid and it exists along a spectrum. It's, it's an assumption in this entire program. Exactly, and the, the thing that here uh, gets to me is all genders. How do you possibly teach CSE to capture all genders and to meet the needs of, you know, androgynous people and then the people who think they're too spirited. And it, it's just, this would be a 20 year course because yeah. the definitions keep on changing and they keep on adding uh, to the acronym. The last time I looked, Facebook had uh, something like 70 genders. I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's in the past now. There are many more. It's hard yep. to keep up with all of them. Uh, it must also affirmatively recognize different sexual orientations. And this is a problem, Mark, because you can't say anything negative. Like, for example, we know what you know, the AIDS and HIV epidemic within the homosexual community, right, yeah. has ravaged it for the last 50 years. Yeah. We can't talk about it in those terms. And so our kids aren't really getting you know, unbiased information like they say they shouldn't be, right? That's They're getting right. biased information. And here's the one that really concerns me. We have to teach negotiation, and re refusal skills is good, but we have to teach negotiation. And this goes back to the idea of consent. Now, in California, having intercourse or really deep sexual intimacy is still illegal for minors. It's, it's a statutory crime in yep. California. And yet we're teaching kids how to use condoms and negotiate for sexual favors back and forth. There's a disconnect here, isn't there? It, it's a huge disconnect. And I always say this is the, bi <laughs> the bipolar nature of this law um, because it falls, it goes right in, you know, flies in the face of all of the other statutes we probably have on our books. So right now, uh, California sexuality, comprehensive sexuality education must be taught uh, in middle school mm -hmm. and in high school. And last time I looked, it was a 10-hour course of instruction. Now, that's just the requirement. Of course, we see it everywhere. There's an entire campus culture of CSE. 
but it but it can also be taught in the lower grades, can it? It can here in California, and it does on many occasions. The, the school districts now have uh, the, the leeway to decide. Um, and what we're seeing in other states is something similar happening. So the, these kind of things will just show up over and over in whatever state you're in. So, George, what can parents do now to protect their children? Well, I would recommend that you subscribe to an organization within your state that is watching the state legislature like a hawk and making sure that if anything like a healthy youth act comes up or you know access to health services uh, for youth or it, it's going to come out one way or another and we, we're seeing this in massachusetts we've already seen it pass in washington we see it in so many different places uh parents need to start supporting those organizations and um, you know finding their voice to go and to speak out uh, even in front of the legislature uh, you know, there's this term that uh, the cost of liberty is eternal vigilance, and the same thing would apply to protecting your kids in the school system, particularly in this day and age. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time that we're going to have for today, but this is part one in a two-part discussion about this particular topic, so we look forward to uh, taking up the same issue next week. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. Uh, for this episode of Say What? You've been listening to Say What? The radio ministry of Protect Our Kids, where they seek to inform and equip concerned citizens about the crisis in American public education and the forces working against our children. Join us at this same time every Saturday as attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. unpack the issues so that we can better safeguard our nation's children. For more information about this program or Protect Our Kids, email the show at info at protectourkidsnow.org. That's info at protectourkidsnow.org. And join Mark and George right here next week at this same time for another episode of Say What.